Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. I'm inviting you to have your Bible ready with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. From an apostle of Christ who was directed by the Holy Spirit, sent to a local church about their work and valuable instruction for individuals, we believe we need to absorb and apply what is written here. So I'm preaching through 1 Corinthians this year. Two sermons were delivered in January based on the first two chapters, and we are here today in chapter 3. Here's what we already know. The church was divided. There was unwarranted allegiance to men resulting in conflict, choosing up sides, competing, causing gridlock in their work and ill will in their hearts. Paul takes them back to the gospel of Christ, reminding them when he first came to Corinth, he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. Loyalty to some man or group of men was not what they had been taught. Throughout these opening chapters, there are stinging indictments against those who were tearing this local church apart. And we come now to chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid the foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, 
because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Have you ever observed about an adult or a group of adults that they're acting like a bunch of little kids. You are out in public somewhere, in your workplace or your neighborhood, maybe in your family, and you are embarrassed. It is awkward to be there and witness adults not acting like adults, exhibiting attitudes and behavior that you expect in toddlers who have not had sufficient time to achieve maturity. That's what Paul is saying about those who were guilty of dividing the church at Corinth. And chapter 3 opens with these phrases where Paul is confronting their immaturity. Look at the phrases. I could not address you as spiritual people. You are people of the flesh. You are carnal and the evidence is there is jealousy and strife. See, their conflict and their division in the church at Corinth is connected to their lack of growth, their immaturity. They were behaving like babies sometimes act, but we excuse that behavior in babies, not adults. The nutritional metaphors here send the message they needed to grow up and digest the solid food of the Word. Something else. Paul confronts their mistaken view of men. They were all mixed up about this. And he does this in verses 5 through 9. The Corinthians viewed Apollos and Paul and other teachers as leaders of groups that were separated and in conflict with each other. And they thought they needed to choose up sides and decide which group they were going to be in and that that group would fight against the other groups. Now, Paul and Apollos didn't want this. 
No way. Paul, Apollos, and Peter were not competing for attention. They were not seeking to build up a fan base. They didn't want this. The Corinthians had this immature, worldly view of the men who taught them. Paul says about that, we are servants. We are fellow workers with you in the kingdom. Listen to some of this at verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Those who divided the church in Corinth were just all mixed up. Immature, giving allegiance to men, men who never sought such allegiance. Here's an important part of Paul's argument against their attitudes. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. God gave the increase. Now think about that. Paul and Apollos were not in a contest. They were humbly being used by God who had the power to achieve the results he desired through their work. How irrational and erroneous and ill-conceived to align yourself with somebody who's doing part of the work God gave him to do and against somebody else who is also a servant doing part of the work God gave him to do. Those men had the same purpose, Paul, Apollos, Cephas. They were serving the same God. They had the same integrity. They were not seeking to earn some status by having a little group that would fight against the other. Paul says, we are servants, fellow workers with you in the kingdom. We are all on the same team, not competing but working together, giving God the glory for what He's able to do through us and the message that we proclaim. We are part of God's building, not separate buildings that war against each other, but we're part of God's building. We are united and there is one foundation. Not this man in his building and his foundation, And then against him, this man, his building and his foundation, but one building, that's God's, and one foundation. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Instead of fussing about who their favorite preacher was and whose side they were on, their devotion needed to be directed to what God did. God laid one foundation for one building. The church was not founded on Peter or Apollos or Paul. No, Jesus Christ. Building on any other foundation, there will be great loss. Bringing materials into the building that God did not intend to be there, great loss. 
Preachers and teachers want their work to stand the test of God's judgment. Even if some who are taught depart from the teaching, a faithful preacher will do his work with allegiance to God and with a life centered in Christ. There is a Christ-centeredness. That has to be firmly settled within us, not only for the sake of unity here, but to go to heaven. I hope you're going to come to our classes in Colossians, Sunday mornings at 9.30, Wednesday evenings at 7.30. This same point is made and reinforced and argued with great effectiveness in both 1 Corinthians and Colossians. There is a Christ-centeredness that has to be firmly settled within us, not only for the sake of unity here, but to go to heaven. Then, from verse 18 to the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul affirms who their owner is. Paul didn't own the church. Peter was not the owner. Apollos was not the owner. How clear is this? You are God's temple. God's building. What happened in Corinth would never have happened if the members had wholeheartedly considered themselves from the very time they heard the gospel and obeyed it to be owned by God, not man. If someone in Corinth had said, well, I'm a Paul Christian, that would have grieved Paul. He would have objected. Today, we are just Christians. You may forget the name of the man who taught you and baptized you. That's not essential. Not remembering the man, favoring the man, going through your life with allegiance to some man. What is essential is you know who your owner is and your allegiance and your devotion every day is to Jesus Christ who died for you. If I have that and you have that, we're going to be united. We're going to be united. Get man out of your reverence and put God there, and shun all temptation to get on some man's team. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What do we take from this? Number one, when we are all servants under God, that's when we do our best work together. We certainly have different resources and different talents that we bring to the work, and we are at different levels of growth, and no two of us are the same. The New Testament teaches diversity in areas of scriptural service. Paul said, I planted Apollos water. We are all servants once we get right who owns us and who our master is. Division of labor should never mean division of heart or purpose 
are signing up on one team against another. We do our best work when we view ourselves as owned by God, serving Jesus Christ, and doing that for the sake not only of unity here, but heaven there. We appreciate men and women who have been active in teaching us and influencing us in righteousness, yes. But we must not regard these people as team leaders, cult leaders, or that they should take us into conflict with God's faithful people. We do our best work together when we see ourselves as servants under God seeking His glory. I'm going to put this crudely. In the local church, there's no place for wise guys. If somebody comes in here and says, Okay, folks, I'm here now. You can listen to me. And if you'll do what I say, I'll fix everything. If somebody comes in here and says that, I hope I hear from us in unison, no. We have no place here for wise guys. Look with me at verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. I see this in religious publishing and on television and on the internet. A man reaches a place of prominence somehow. He writes a book or sets up a blog or a website or he goes around doing campaigns. He's on TV all the time and sometimes his message is everybody's been wrong all these years. And I'm going to set everybody on the right path. I have discovered what everybody in the history of the church missed. So just listen to me. Wise guys. This is the reason Paul said to Titus that elders are to silence empty talkers. Titus 1, 10 and 11. In the local church, we should have no place for wise guys... We are all servants under the authority of God for the sake of Christ. Let's study together without putting ourselves under the presumed authority of some illustrious, charming man who may indeed have charm, but not have character or credibility or be directed by Scripture. And then in verse 21, let no one boast in men. I want us to take a moment here and notice something that is not coincidental, I think. I want you to notice what it says back in chapter 1 at verse 31. Chapter 1, verse 31, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now I want you to look in chapter 2 at verse 
5, chapter 2, verse 5, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Then I want you to look where we are in chapter 3, at verse 21, let no one boast in men. What do you think of that? I think you will agree at the root of issues of conflict in the church at Corinth, there was allegiance to men rather than allegiance to God. Paul's writing to address that. He is challenging them, rebuking them to stop that and get back to being servants of God, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to appreciate the work of men and women who've helped you. It's one thing to encourage good people in the local church who are doing good work to continue doing that good work. It's one thing to show respect and honor to whom honor is due. But we belong to God. And within that ownership, there is this truth Paul takes us to in the last verse of chapter 3. You are Christ and Christ is God's. If you have a copy of the Bible, you can grow. Starting with milk, graduating to solid food. And you can be mature. If you have been guilty of immature attitudes, let the Word of God lead you out of that. Guard against ill-conceived allegiance to men. Know that you belong to God, not a group of men with a celebrated leader you can brag about. You belong to God. Don't be deceived by wise guys who have charm absent character. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Someone once said this, you can accomplish anything if you don't care who gets the credit. Imagine what can be accomplished if everyone is anxious for God to get the credit. And let me let me say to us that within this chapter, there is an ominous warning. I need to bring that up as we conclude. It starts at verse 12, and it must be read with very serious tone and attention. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If we forget who the foundation is, if we build something other than what God has directed us to build, and if we fragment and find our passion in jealousy and strife and act like a bunch of babies. Our work will not stand in the day 
of judgment. So, from the chapter, may we take this very simple admonition. Let no one boast in men. Let's be 